Hi, my name's Emily and I'm an osteopath and healthcare enthusiast working in the Midlands. I spend every week helping my patients reduce their aches and pains, move their bodies more and live the healthiest life possible. And now I want you to join the conversation. In this podcast, I'll be investigating the people and places around the Midlands that are on the same mission and ask them to share their knowledge to transform your health. There's no subject that's off topic. Nutrition, mental health, sleep and fitness, it's all here. This is the Healthy Midlands podcast. So I am recording this on a lovely sunny Sunday afternoon in our Sutton Coalfield Clinic with Jenny Richards, who is a coach. Um, I'm hoping that the record quality is going to be great because it's one of the very first episodes that we've recorded in the clinic when it's been closed, so we haven't got people coming and going all over the place. It's going to be nice and quiet, and me and Jenny are going to get really stuck into what is coaching, what could you get out of it if you worked with a coach like Jenny, and I think best place to start is by introducing Jenny herself. Hi Jenny. Hiya, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you today? Yeah, good, thank you. So I think the main thing that I want to ask you is what is a coach? Yeah, so it's a really good question to start with I think and um, because coaching can be used by a lot of people, the description of a coach. Um, anybody can call themselves a coach it's, it's an unregulated profession so I think it's a really good place to start is understanding what a coach is and what they can offer so so for me I see a coach as somebody that's going to create a safe place and a safe environment for you to start thinking about um, about anything that you want to work on um, and also me facilitating as a coach your thinking so it's not me gonna I'm not gonna be telling you what to do I'm going to help you to work it out for yourself and to have that safe thinking environment to w- really work on yourself so that's what I see a coach as being so it's kind of development coaching in terms of um, your mental processes understanding how your own mind works better and where you fit into society and life and your relationships with other yeah, people yeah. Um, I guess that's the word coach really is common then across you know sports coaching mm. career coaching um, oh god coaching for children careers coaching mm. there's there's never-ending applications for it what is your mainstay for work as a coach, Jenny? So, so I work with people on loads of different things. So, um, I, I suppose I, I work with people on their leadership um, abilities. So, um, it might be people new into a management role that's kind of thinking, God, I don't know what I need to do, or how do I be the best leader that I can be? How do I work in this new environment? It might be going into a promotion, it might be changing jobs, um, but I've also worked with people on um, you know, personal kind of things as well. So knowing that something's not quite right, really feeling stuck and not sure how to move that forwards. So um, there's, there's loads of different applications. So I will, I will consider and work with people on lots and lots of different things. And, and actually, um, a lot of the time, people will come thinking that they know what it is that they need to work through. And actually, as you start to work together, you realize there's lots of other stuff there as well. So, yeah. you know, and I, I was just thinking it was popped into my head. 
is um, a coach in its simplest terms. The description of a coach is getting someone from A to B. So it can be applied to lots of things. You see lots of adverts now for work coaches working with um, the Department for Work and Pensions, for example. Yeah. So that's getting them from one job to another job or from non- no job to a job. So it's getting from A to B. So that's why I suppose the application is so, so broad. Yeah, absolutely. I know that when I first left university, I had done some research online and I'd seen this thing called new enterprise allowance and Mm. I'm not sure whether they still do it or not but it was a scheme that was through the job centre and it was for people who wanted to start working for themselves and it was Mm. really really tiny amount of money Um, but it was essentially sort of like job seekers allowance for people who were setting up businesses Mm. Um, and I kind of thought oh well you know it's better than a poke in the eye Um, so I took myself down to the job centre um, the first week that I got back from London and sort of marched up to the front desk and I was like, I'm here for new enterprise. <laughs> and the guy was like, I'm the security guard. You need to book an appointment online. Get out my face. <laughs> and that's when I met my work coach, Barry, from the Sutton wow. Caulfield Job Centre. Hi, Barry. Um, and he was incredibly helpful to me mm-hmm. because um, he kind of gave me uh, a little bit of space to he'd never heard of osteopathy he didn't know what yeah. an osteopath was and it was my first um chance really to do a bit of an elevator pitch on a stranger and every week i'd go in and he'd be like okay you know tell me about it again and over the those few weeks i kind of really got it together in my head of what i wanted my clinic to be like what kind of people i wanted to come in as patients and i don't think if i didn't have that sounding board yeah. Um, and somebody to talk to on a regular basis about it that I would have been able to formulate those ideas quite so clearly and quickly Mm. in my own mind either Mm. I think that sometimes you need a coach to pull out of your brain what is already inside of it absolutely Um, so it's not always about them sort of sitting down and and showing you how to do something absolutely it's it's them giving you the space to work it out for yourself yeah yeah and and I think that's probably one of the biggest bits of feedback that I get when people work with me is you've listened you've really listened and you've let me think and you've asked me questions that I would never have asked myself and my mates won't ask me I've talked to this with my mates you know this issue that I'm bringing and and you know and and they've you know they've not given me the same thing and a coaching conversation is a, a conversation with a purpose but it is very much about I'm not looking for my next chance to speak. And that's a lot when, you know, with you, with your friends or colleagues, that's what is happening. Everyone's People are waiting. they filter, haven't they? Yeah. They see your problem through their own eyes. And they want to offer advice or they want to chip in and, and, and talk next. And what I'll do as a coach is give you that space to think and say things. And, and I'll ask questions, but I'm not going to tell you what I think. I'm not going to have an opinion. I'm going to be very open-minded and be curious and, and, and really go oh okay so you've said this what does that mean or yeah. what other options have you got and it's going to be those types of questions that you hear from me and a, and a good coach will not do a lot of talking because they're, they're holding that space for you to to work it through yourself listening is an incredibly difficult skill to master mm. i think have mm. you got any tips for being a good listener jenny yeah, I think um, as, as a big talker, <laughs> um, it was one of the things during my coach training that, that I really had to, you know, change and, and really work at. But the benefits are huge. And even as a leader, you know, um, just listening to your staff and, 
And there's always a phrase that I'll, re I'll, I'll always remember that, that sticks with me in terms of that advice uh, is that um, think, wait, why am I talking? And if you can wait and, and just and just pause and, and sometimes pauses feel really uncomfortable, but just pause and then pause again. And it's amazing what people come out with because when we're waiting for that next place to say something in that communication exchange, what we're not doing there is allowing that person to continue thinking. Yeah, yeah, holding that room for them to mm. give you more information. And there's always something else. Yeah, so. we do see that. We see that in clinic as well, yeah, with case yeah. history taking. Yeah. And I think sometimes you can be so keen to get your patient on the table and start solving the problem. Yeah. Um, you can ask them, you think you've asked them everything in the case history, you think mm. you've got all of the information, and then it's only when they've been on the table for about 20 minutes and they go, oh, by the way, <laughs> and they drop yeah. an absolute bombshell that was yeah. the keystone of the whole symptom picture, yeah. and you missed it because you were, too, you were in too much of a rush in the first mm. instance. Mm, that, that is really diagnostic, I think, of... Some people can think that they're being a really good listener, mm. but are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, I think there's different levels of listening, isn't it? That that's, uh, you know, there's, uh, um, there's listening and then there's really that deep listening and, and giving space and allowing them to think, but also being able to clarify and, and, and really understand what they're telling you. Um, and I think, you know, some of the principles of coaching are, are very sim similar to counselling, actually. So there's, there is a bit of an overlap um, yeah. with counselling and coaching, um, just in terms of some of the approaches that are used. So if, you know, I will be very open minded. I don't p pass judgment on anybody. So I'm just curious. I'm curious to understand their their view of the world because we've all got different worldviews and and. You know, it, it's trying to think about when you're listening is is shutting off some of that noise in your head of, well, what's my worldview and comparison? And it's being very, very focused on that individual and really understanding the world from their shoes. Yeah. And, and that takes a lot of practice for a lot of people because it's not normal com communication or conversation that we, we get into patterns with. It's difficult, isn't it? Because like everyone's going to have their own biases. Everyone's going to have their own, like you say, belief system. I'm just really interested in what you said about the differences between coaching and counselling mm. are. And I'm trying to put it together in my mind as you said it. And I think maybe, is it the difference between is counselling a little bit more past focused and Absolutely. making sense of things that have already yeah. happened and yeah. then coaching is making sense of the things that are going to happen and trying to have influence over where you're going next in your life yeah, yeah I always use the analogy around if you're sitting in a car um and you're driving you you, you know if you're coaching you're moving forwards and you're looking forward you might have a glance in the rear view mirror um, to understand where things have come from because sometimes that's relevant and beliefs for example we all of us have limiting beliefs somewhere so so where do they come from might have been useful at some point so let's unpick that a little bit mm. and then let's reframe those beliefs and move forward so it's a little flash in the rearview mirror and then onwards if you're in a counseling if you if you're being count you know with a counselor you will be spending a lot of time in that rearview mirror yeah 
making sense of the things that have already yeah. happened and yeah. sort of being a bit of a detective almost and unpicking hmm. the past yeah. and and cause and effect and yeah. I think that 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 does give you more knowledge and power to shape how your future is going to go mm. um I know that kind of from from how we kind of think about pain and injury in neurology and I'm sure behavior is a similar bag is that your brain is always going to go down its fastest most convenient route yes so your brain will jump to conclusions left right and center because we're survival orientated and what's worked for you well in the past or what has at least resulted in survival (laughs) which is your brain's only you know oh well I got through it Maybe it wasn't the best way to cope with that situation, but nobody died and nobody got mm. sacked and no, or it wasn't, you know, didn't result in the very best outcome, but I didn't get disciplinary from my boss. Mm. And you can revert to that behavior in a snap decision, yeah. even if there would be something, a different way to deal with that situation that is more challenging to your beliefs or more challenging to um the way that you would normally deal with things but would produce a better outcome it's kind of the hard way around it Mm. but is coaching then more about training your brain to go a more optimal route to solve a problem yeah so i think it's it's about self-awareness so Mm. you know and and i suppose an example would be useful here so um if i say so let's let's say a common self-limiting um, belief if you like that stops people from doing things um might be I, I'm, I'm just not good enough so yeah. so I'm not good enough so so you know where where does that come from and you know sometimes you can you can you can ask that question and people go back to school and they'll go well I failed an exam at school or I failed my driving test so I'm not good enough so so to, to that to become a belief may you might just keep thinking in that loop I'm not good enough I'm not good enough the, the the brain will pick up on that and try and find patterns and things. So your brain does that and it's recognizing threats. So you talked about that kind of real um, survival instinct and that yeah. plays out a lot in how we work forwards and how we move forwards. We do like feeling uncomfortable. We don't, no, absolutely. So, you know, if there's, I might then start exploring, well, you're not good enough. So where does that come from? let's really challenge that with some evidence Mm. so i'll go so when did you last fail an exam well i haven't (laughs) since not for 30 years (laughs) so when when did you pass an exam and you can see people's body language and facial expression changes it the kind of the penny drops and they'll go well i haven't and you know and i've passed this and i've passed that okay so let's reframe that 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 belief that is stopping you from doing things what do you want to believe that i can do it and it's working and you've got that through. mountains of evidence to support that you yeah. could. And all it is is that ingrained kind of yeah. pattern of thinking that's that's formed a belief that then is driving everything that you do. But our brains are very threat focused. Mm, yeah. So we'll rem- it's like if somebody pays you a thousand compliments yeah. but says one negative thing. Mm. Like in, in a performance review at work, you could 
they could tell you that you do your job well in a hundred ways yeah. and one area of improvement but you'll leave that review thinking only about that one negative thing yeah. and you'll you know I've, I know that I can do this as well like really fixate mm. on the negative even though you might have so many examples of how you are more than capable of achieving something um, yeah. I had a chat with my colleague Steph actually the other day our, our sports therapist Lizzie um Actually, today, as we record this, Lizzie is currently running the London Marathon. um, And she will have finished it by the time this episode comes out. And I'm sure she's done incredibly well. But Stephanie and I were sat behind the reception desk and we were talking about Lizzie's upcoming endeavour. And um, Stephanie said, I could never run a marathon. Hmm. And I said, why do you think that you couldn't run a marathon? She went, oh, I just know that I couldn't. I said, when have you ever put your mind to something in life and not achieved it? And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you did your A-levels, you passed your driving test, you did your master's degree, you got a job, you saved your deposit for your house. Like, Mm. there's there's so many things in this life that are really, really difficult and you've achieved it without batting an eyelid. If you put your mind to running a marathon, you'd do it. And she was like... Mm. I think the big thing there is that Stephanie has no inclination at all to run a marathon and neither do I so it was an absolute waste <laughs> of conversation but the sentiment was <laughs> the sentiment was solidly yeah. positive <laughs> and, and and actually we, we 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 say these things a lot don't we oh I couldn't do that mm. and 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 that's fine um but when it stops you from doing stuff or trying new things that's that's when you, you know perhaps you might want to understand what's playing out there and and Mm. be able to reframe it or to start doing stuff that actually you did used to tell yourself that you couldn't do but I know I can it's habitual isn't it negative Mm. self-talk and yeah yeah it's it's a habit that I think a lot of people are in um yeah even even with back pain in clinic we see that we see people coming in and they're like oh I'm just I just know and it's bad now and it'll be bad again in the future Mm. And they, you know, they may have, you know, four or five episodes of back pain as Hmm. quote unquote evidence that it could be bad again in the future. But what they're not taking account for is the years and years in between those episodes where they've been perfectly fine. And uh, holding that up as evidence, like, well, three weeks ago, Hmm. you weren't in any pain and nothing has actually changed in your back. You haven't been in a car crash and you haven't had a massive injury. So because you were in no pain three weeks ago, it's a completely realistic possibility that in three days' time or three weeks' time, you won't be in pain again. And mm. they're like, you can see the cogs turning in people's heads and they're like, mm. oh, yeah. But it's it's almost our brains quite like sitting in negative thought because it's protective. Yeah, and, it's, and, that, and that's what they're trained to do, you know. They're trying to keep us safe and, and, and you know... It, that that amygdala that that really survival oh, instinct yeah. of your love brain the amygdala. you know i don't love the amygdala because <laughs> it's pretty negative space in the brain but i love knowing how the amygdala yeah. works go on jenny tell us how the amygdala works <laughs> so uh th- yeah so the amygdala that's your fight or flight isn't it or yeah. your freeze response and it and it's you know when we used to have an issue with saber-toothed ti- tigers <laughs> thousands of years ago very useful it was have. very useful to have absolutely <laughs> but you know this starts to to come up now when we start you know when we might have an email that you know 
um, can, can set off that fight or flight because it's almost redundant to a certain extent because some of the threats that we used to see a lot is now not there. You know, we live in a very safe world compared to, to you know, thousands of years ago. And it is useful, you know, if you, if you see something happening in front of you, it's that turn your rational brain off and deal with what's in front of you and keep you safe. So, you know, if you're, you know, if you, you can see something happening in front of you whilst you're driving, yeah. your amygdala will, will take over and keep you safe and you, you'll go, a lot of people say after these incidents happen, I didn't know, I didn't even think about it. It's I like just keyboard shortcuts on ah, a computer, isn't it? Yeah, your brain's absolutely. just like boom, 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 it's done. Yeah, and you haven't got time to think, so you, you don't want to think because you'll have hit whatever you, you're trying to avoid. So mm. it's great in those situations, but it kicks in for loads of other things that it sees as a threat and and that negative kind of thinking can often come from that fight or flight just yeah. kicking in and and then your brain's going oh well you've had that email yeah. of somebody and and actually they're not happy with what you've done oh this is a threat we need to yeah. keep you safe and then Here every we go. time hit you up with some adrenaline let's yeah. bang some cortisol in absolutely. there absolutely and it's a horrible feeling yeah. it's not a nice feeling and then you're going to do anything to not experience that again yeah and 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 then you know you kind of you can feel that physical response as as you say the adrenaline and the cortisol starts starts hitting but then you've got no rational thinking you've, your whole front brain shuts off and this is why people are replying to these emails at 11 o'clock at night because yeah. their brain yeah. is like oh my god oh my god yeah. just get comfortable again answer the email now yeah. because yeah. then then it's over yeah and that's yeah. the only way that you can deal with it yeah. oh no and, and you know it comes up so many times and and you know and then that is you your brain trying to be helpful and actually knowing that that's how your brain's working is a really useful thing to to then start to be able to recognize when it happens and when it kicks in and often it's that physical response you feel I always get this heart flutter almost yeah. and I can feel it and I recognize now that that is my reaction that's the initial reaction I'm never going to control I'm never going to switch that off but I can recognize when that happens yeah. and, and I could go oh that's and interesting sit and sit that back rational mm. thinking a little bit more because yeah. like how many times have you sent a work email and then checked back 90 seconds later seething because the person hasn't responded like we imagine that this is what that person who's emailed us is doing that they're sat at their computer like jenny you haven't replied to me they're not they're not nobody cares no No one sends an email and expects you to reply within 90 seconds but that's that's the space that you can get your into oh god yeah. have you um ever read the robert sapolsky book why zebras don't get ulcers no i have heard about it but oh. i've not i've not read it well that's you're leaving the clinic with a coffee today <laughs> jenny you've got to borrow it it's so up your street um but it's a book that he is like a uh, my favorite one of my favorite biologists and anthropologists and um i'm sure he's probably got some sort of um qualification in psychology as well but he is a lecturer at Stanford University in America and he oh my god I mean he's just done some amazing work over the years he went and lived in a like on a little island somewhere with a tribe of baboons for like six months um I can't remember where it was now but because they're on this island they've got no natural predation Mm. and um these baboons it's like baboon coronation street (laughs) and they've created all this social conflict because because mammal brains thrive on the difference the cut line between Mm. 
being stressed and being safe mm. and there's nothing to threaten them mm. so they've like made all of these internal problems and they are like he studied them for so long they're like the sickest tribe of baboons in africa wow. they've got like all these like autoimmune diseases they're like raggedy they've got all the food they want nothing's coming to eat them and they are more stressed than any other baboon mm. in africa um because they lack um scary stimulus yeah and so they like make it but then they can't get away from it and they murder each other and it's so like horrendous um but he there's loads of videos that robert sapolsky's got on youtube if you're really interested in baboon conflict <laughs> like i apparently am um but his book why zebra why zebras don't get ulcers um is all about how our stress response is only really biologically designed mm. to last for about 20 minutes and anything longer yeah. than that is chronic yeah um and zebras don't get ulcers because if a lion is chasing them in 20 minutes they're either going to be the lion's dinner and they don't have to worry about it anymore or they will have run away and escaped mm. and they switch it off they yeah. don't worry about it anymore yeah. it's over it's not like a 35 year mortgage or a marriage that's breaking down or a loved one who's yeah. ill or bereavement or you know all of these things in life that mm. i mean that's really i guess more of the counseling stuff but if you want to deal with those things properly actually having some coaching hmm. and like how much friction does work making people's lives uh, it's huge i do uh, quite a lot with um, people in organizations and um you know just just the the impact that covid's had and and the upheaval oh, in yeah. in kind of not working in a busy office and working at home on on your own or just not having any boundaries um and just losing all that sense of when work stops and when home life starts and that is that's been a, a real interesting pattern that, that that's been emerging and i found it myself you know having to suddenly work at home um yeah. more so and not being in a busy working environment I mean, is, it's been very different you are like the baboon on the island at that point mm. aren't you because you're in a se physically safe place yeah but socially and like mentally mm. because the computer's in your house you can never escape it yeah yeah and 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 one client in particular comes to mind that i was working with who just was not having lunch breaks, was not um, not coming away from the computer, was working 80-hour weeks with with no separation of of work and, and home. And 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 when when I started to question and really understand where that come from, I don't think he'd even realised himself where he was and just being able to get out and talk about how busy he felt, how exhausted he was, he suddenly realised, he said this is all me isn't it this is this is um, and, and I said well you know what what would you do at work during the day well I'd get up and go for a lunch break and I'd have a chat with people having a coffee making a coffee and I said so what do you do at home now I just don't do any of that mm. because I just think I've got to keep working because I've got to show that I'm working and and, it, and so it was really bringing that into his awareness of what was different from what's changed and then realizing he had a choice he had a choice in how he wanted to work at home and, and and sometimes we don't feel that choice and and just being able to have that space to work it through and just say it out loud because when you haven't got that social connection you've not got that sense check with other people no. to, to kind of go ah i can see what's going on here no so soundboard, is there? no but that's interesting that he had the idea that he had to show that he was working mm. which 
probably didn't exist before when he was mm. in the office. I wonder yeah. where that came from. Mm. Yeah, I think one of my questions to him, well, well, who's asked you to work this many hours? Nobody. Mm. So what's driving you to do it? And that's where all that came out. It's, it's, it's really interesting. There was a lot of need to feel productive during mm. COVID, wasn't there? Yeah. Lots of sourdough starters and vegetable patches. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so, it's, you know, it's, it is, it's very much about... I often get as well just on that, because that client actually said as well, that I feel really silly now because I've, I've worked this through and I've just realised that this, this was always in my control. But... And a lot of people say that now I've said it out loud, it seems really silly, but because I did know the answer, but it's having that space, having that space to think and, and how often do we give ourselves an hour, an hour and a half to work on ourselves with no distractions, no nothing with somebody completely focused on you. Um, and we don't do it. Um, you know, and, and, and I think there's so many benefits to, to working with a coach to, to really move move you forwards and get to where you want to get it's somebody who's impartial as well isn't yeah, it yeah so i think sometimes if you try and have those conversations with your friends and family everyone's got an expectation on you hmm. like if you talk to your not not you my parents not you mom and dad but <laughs> everybody else's parents um if you talk to your parents that they've got an expectation on what hmm. they would like you to achieve in life or what you, they yeah. would like you to do um, and then your friends, you know, they might they might not even think that they hold that thought. It might all be subconscious in their brain as yeah. well. But they it's might a perception. Be thinking, oh yeah. well, you know, you meet me at the pub every Friday night, and if you get this promotion or if you start working some Saturdays, we won't be able to do that anymore. And they might not think that they think that, but that might influence the advice that they give you mm-hmm. just even a little bit. It might be a, a little sort of crinkly facial expression or something really subtle, but then you're picking up those cues from people. Yeah. yeah. And it influences how you feel about the decision that you've got to make. Yeah. Mm. A lot of it's around what you think people are thinking as well. That that comes out loads. And I do I do it myself. And even as a coach, sometimes I could I, I go and have coaching because um, you know, it is it's a useful space to, to really get yourself thinking. And sure. I and I go well, I tell people or tell people, I get people to think about this all the time and, and, and look at me, I'm doing it myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It's, uh, well, what, if I say no to this, then what are people going to think about me? Well, I don't know what people are going to be thinking about me because I'm not those people and yeah. actually they might be thinking completely something different than I think that they're thinking. <laughs> I think the older that I get as well, I kind of think people think about you a lot less than you think they do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and it's, it's kind of putting that back into perspective, isn't it? And again, not thinking that it's going to be a negative thing. There's other options. What else might they be thinking? They might be yeah. thinking, oh, you know, Jenny's got a really difficult decision to make here and I really respect her if she says no it's fine because I'll find somebody else to help me it's it is really difficult to kind of put yourself in somebody else's shoes objectively Mm. um I have had a slight run-in with another individual recently Jenny Mm. (laughs) (laughs) which I will keep as anonymous as I can for this internet published conversation (laughs) um but it was where I I was in my opinion, I was just living my life. 
<laughs> going about my own business, not worrying about anybody else. And somebody else found my, my I felt that it was a neutral action. They found that upsetting to them. Mm. And I kind of thought, well, this person is really quite removed from me. They're not my friend. They're not in my family. They're not a patient of mine. It's, it really kind of doesn't, doesn't impact my life what they think of me if they think that I'm good if they think that I'm bad if they think that I'm nice or I'm nasty it makes no difference but they had sort of expressed to me that they weren't very pleased with something that I had done um this is probably going to raise more questions for people when it's answering (laughs) but um I kind of I got really upset about it, and I was thinking, oh no, they're gonna, they're gonna think that I'm so bad, and that I'm I'm just so callous, and I didn't consider what they were gonna think before I did this. And then I thought, this person is a grown up, hmm. and they've got their own family, and they've got their own friends, and they've got their own job. They've got a thousand things to think about before they think about me, hmm. and they're not sat at home crying over what I did. They've moved on with their life. And I'm still sat here thinking, oh, God, what if they think that I'm awful? What if they're... Like, so what? So what yeah. even if they do think you're awful? Like, that's their problem. <laughs> Sounds like a problem for them to deal with. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, I'd spent weeks thinking about it. Weeks and weeks yeah. beating myself up, thinking how terrible I was for not considering basically a stranger's opinion of my own actions in my own life (laughs) (laughs) I spent giving it loads of space in my brain and Mm. I'd given it loads of energy in my thoughts and then I thought could you like be any more self-absorbed because they're not even thinking about you they don't even care what you did (laughs) and that's when it kind of all it all clicks into place Mm. then doesn't it like Ultimately, 99% of the things that you do are going to be inconsequential to other people. Yeah. And the only person who has to be happy with it is you. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is that all? Oh, I feel like you're coaching me now, Jenny. <laughs> you're looking at me. You're waiting for me to say more. <laughs> it, you've, you've made me just reflect on a few bits, actually, because um, I often talk about impact and intention. Yes. So when you get conflicts with people and, and, and you know, I've had um, people I've worked with that have, you know, a difficult individual in their team that they're trying to manage and, yeah. and we put, we, we, we see them in a certain light and then we, we start to attach things to them and it becomes very, very difficult. You frame to, all of their yeah, behaviour in yeah. terms of them being a problem. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, you're, you're putting them into that space where anything they do, you will attach a negative thing to you're turning them into a bit of a villain really aren't yeah, you yeah and and so it's how how do we impact on others and you know understanding our intention and the impact it has on others but the same going the other way as well and and there's often um that so how does it feel to be that other person so i had um, um a manager that had come into a temporary promotion space and um the person there was an individual on the team that um was looking after the team before they moved in so they her perception of that individual was that he doesn't like that I've come in and he's trying to make things difficult so we we worked through um over a few sessions because it kept coming up so it was Mm -hmm. clearly really bothering bothering her her. um and and she was saying well he, he steps in and tries to make decisions for me um 
so I'm hearing this and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a particular um, coaching technique we can use so so I do pull on some different techniques sometimes that help people to to really unpick where they are so movement helps so rather than just sitting and talking and and you know just asking questions sometimes a movement exercise can help and it can really pull on so you know that this in this is this is almost a three position exercise so I actually got her to stand up and, and move into three different positions one was her so really ground yourself in you you are you how does it feel what are you sensing in your body so bringing in all the different senses what are you thinking um how are you feeling and then move her into the other individual so now you're looking at yourself mm. what are you seeing there what are you now sensing looking at your you know yourself so it's really using those different spaces and um and what are you thinking it's so hard to be objective like that about mm. yourself yeah and movement helps because you, you and, and the use of language there as well so say for the other um for example it that's that you know there's rachel is mm. is the the individual that i was coaching and rachel is going to be rachel and she's going to feel it is rachel and then she's going to move let's say to sean yeah and i'm sean now and i'm looking at rachel so changing that language helps people to see it from another point of view and then you've got the observer point so is there somebody naturally that can see all this playing out between the two of you because you're really removing yourself into that spectator position yeah and, and then a member on the team who can see this conflict unfolding yeah, yeah. and yeah. what are they seeing in Rachel and Sean um mm. and just those three different perspectives can help somebody shift how they think about it and she um, you know, in, in that scenario that the person I was coaching said, oh my goodness, perhaps perhaps they're feeling, you know, like they've lost something yeah, because they wanted to, to, to be the leader in this team and, and I've taken that away from them. Um, and then she saw it as an observer and, and the observer space really helped her because she went, oh wow, so, so we're both trying to do the best thing here. Why don't we work together? so just that that shifting of perspective with movement yeah completely opened up another door and the next session that we we had she was like well I've now given him some responsibility so he's able to look after this for me and and I'm much more confident in my decisions because I know he's not going to step in I've given him a role given him something to work towards and and we're working great oh god that's great so oh. yeah yeah so it's kind of that relationship piece with people can be really tricky but we get so stuck in that well this is how I feel what about the other person and I think it helps to shift that thinking yeah oh this has been so good Jenny <laughs> thank you so much for coming and sharing your afternoon with me um if you have liked what Jenny has been talking about this afternoon um then you can find her online Jenny has her own website which is Jenny Richards Coach co.uk where you can find more information about jenny's coaching services um and i think i think i might be giving you a call jenny because <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like so such a useful tool mm. for understanding your own mind understanding your own behavior and really kind of moving that needle forward and getting to where you want to go i look forward to hearing from you <laughs> thanks jenny <laughs> thank you very much
Thanks for listening to the Healthy Midlands podcast. Make sure to hit the follow button so that you can be the first to know when the next episode is up. Leave a review or share this podcast with a friend if you found it useful. And for more, come and find us on Instagram at Healthy Midlands. <laughs>